Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Ryan Matthews and Pat Andire. And welcome everyone to the Spot Show Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Matthews, and with me as always, the man of the hour, the man of the power. Too sweet to be sour, Mr. Patrick and Aaron. How you doing, man? What's going on, bud? Oh, I'm excited. Been wanting to talk about this pay-per-view for the past couple of days. Finally. Yeah, probably more than that. Ready to get the thrashy. More more ready to get to the very end of the pay-per-view, I guess, more than anything. But So, uh, over 10,000 people packed the Now Arena in Chicago, Jeez. Illinois. Which, uh, you know, give or take those wrestling statistics. Uh, first match of the night, the casino ladder match. What would you think? Uh, I think it was a bunch of bullshit. And let me get to the first part of the reason why. It's a timing issue. You're supposed to get in there and win right here, right now, right? Yep. Can you tell me why Roosh decided that he was going to have this grand entrance where he was going <laughs> to get naked? <laughs> That's the first. first thing. The second thing is... Why the hell, when Andrade came out, he did the same thing, which is cool because by then, Roosh had already knocked everybody down and was taunting and putting the ladder up so that his boss could come in and win the title, which I'm or the chip, which I'm all for. That's cool. But instead of doing that, Andrade got in the ring and was like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's start messing with these ladders, bro. Exactly. Don't worry about winning. I appreciate what you've done done for me. But we got ladders to be moved around. So let's start moving these ladders around for these spots that we're going to set up 10 seconds from now. And the third thing is Pentagon Jr. walks out there and shoots out Pyro. Pyro. This is a timing thing. You're supposed to get your ass down there and win. There literally was a spot where dude was taunting. I don't know if it was Pentagon or if it was Andrade. Had to have been Pentagon. Where Yuta watched him come out. It may have been Roosh. Where he came out and was getting dressed, undressed. And he waited on it. He was like, what the fuck? And Yuta, to me, I'm sorry. Y'all might like him. Y'all might love him. That dude's the most generic wrestler I've ever seen in my life. He had a better presentation of himself when he was in MLW. That's how long I've been watching him. That's where I found MJF. He had like this neon colored look where lights and lasers were going off. And that's his Willer Yuta I knew. Was mid-card jobber dude that had a presentation. Almost the same thing that Ali's doing in WWE, or was doing. And now here he is, and he's supposed to be part of the combat club. No, he's supposed to be part of the combat club that can eat a pin so nobody else has to. <laughs> exactly. And he's in seconds. a chip match with a title. <laughs> 15 so, seconds into the match. Tony Schiavone, your own announcer, your own commentator, says, quote, how... Why don't they just go for the ladder as soon as possible? Now, when Tony <laughs> Schiavone, your own color commentator, is pointing out 15 <laughs> seconds, 15 seconds after the bell rings, that it's stupid that these two guys are tying up. Why don't they just immediately go for the ladder? How do you think the audience feels when your own color commentator is like, "This is kind of stupid"? You think they just but go ahead and try to win? can buy into he's trying to keep the other guy from going to get in the ladder and winning. None, neither one of them go for the ladder, though. So, But when they have the chance to go for it, they're like, well, that dude is making his grand entrance, and he is getting naked. Maybe I need to wait. That was even worse. Roosh walks out, 
takes 45 seconds getting to the ring. Meanwhile, Yuta is right in front of him, climbing the ladder. Now, staring at him like, what are you doing, bro? Yeah, just staring at him like, um, hey, man, you're supposed to come knock me down. Now, whether he knew it or not, his ladder was positioned about five feet away from where the poker chip was hanging. So he wouldn't have got the damn thing if he wanted to. But it just points out how. Like, if you want to do a Money in the Bank, just do a fucking Money in the Bank, AEW. Like, we know. We get it. <laughs> At Come least they on. didn't do the brass ring this time, which looked like oh, a yeah, floaty device from a swimming pool that was spray painted. <laughs> even worse. But I'm like, guys, come on. Like, I, I understand it. I get it. You don't want to do a full out, you know, Money in the Bank ripoff. But I think the audience would forgive them if they did. And who gives a shit if they don't? If they do say, hey, that's just a Money in the Bank ripoff. Yeah, and fuck you, okay? This is what we're trying to do. You get it. But this this, this casino thing is stupid when they do it in the Royal Rumble. And it's even worse when they do it in this damn seven-way tag where we're supposed to believe that they're going to wait for the seventh guy to come out. All We go through all of this match and then putting each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the worst thing. I, I agree. That's the worst thing guy. about it. It's almost like doing a best two out of three where you know they're getting to the third fall. That's how I feel about the Joker situation. Like, nobody's winning until the Joker comes out. Yeah, nobody's going to win. Everyone wants to see the Joker. Yeah. And then Malcolm Bivens wins. I mean, <laughs> we can say anything we want to. Stokely Hathaway wins the damn thing. And then, to me, it was very well done. You might not like it, but I love the mask look. Like, that dude could have been a damn wrestler persona I, on his own. I thought it I loved was like that. a generic creative wrestler mask that you get in a WWE <laughs> game. <laughs> Like he went to Party City, found a Halloween mask, and said, "This will do." And then that was it. I, and I can say that about a lot of AEW masks. But yeah, I, I just wasn't a fan. I of dug it, man. I, and I, for me, I, yeah, no, I'm usually yeah. the one that can tell who it is before the end of it. And for me to be like, <sighs> before I've seen that gate, I've seen that entrance where he spins around and grabs whatever is being handed to him. How I didn't know who the fuck that was in the beginning is beyond me. I will admit, but, I was the same way. And I will say, when, when it pays off towards the end, we'll get there, I was like, oh, you got me. Good job. But right. that being said, exactly. I still gave this match a three out of five. It was probably the worst ladder match I've seen involving Phoenix and Penta because those guys are usually batshit insane when it comes to ladder matches. With the exception of the Canadian Destroyer on Andrade, there really wasn't a big, big ladder spot that I saw that really – They did hit – Yuta with the biggest move of the whole night when he set up a ladder 10 minutes before he decided, I'm not doing anything else but a sunset powerbomb to this motherfucker on this ladder. But it was good. And that was one thing about the whole match that I could really say is that nobody botched. For all the stuff that they had to put together in that match, nobody fucked up. And what's that dude's name? Uh, The tag team from Top Flight, the kid's name. He did a lot of moves in that match. Oh, like a whole lot. Dante Martin getting him. Dante he, Martin. He just does the same thing. Like you've seen it. But he did a lot. Like the, a lot of those guys went in there, moved around and waited, moved around and waited, moved around and waited. He went in there and he's like, all right, I'm going to do this, 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 like 25 lists of things. And they were like, you're going to be able to run that all in one match. Yeah, I got this. And he did it. And for him to do it all and not botch anything, that's a lot to put together. So I can say nobody botched. <laughs> that's all watch, I can say about it, though. If you watch a single Dante match, though, you've seen everything. Every bit of it. Which is good for him to not ever fuck up. I don't know. He probably has. I mean, he does a lot. So he may have fucked up one of those high-flying moves before. But 
At least not on pay-per-view. Not with a bunch of eyes watching. And it's one thing, like, you've just, you've just seen every every Dante match, just he does the same moves, the same jump on the top rope, jump over, right. spot, the same. And it just gets to, like, it's cool, but it, I it's what else you got, kid? Like, what character development are you going to – is he ever going to be involved in an actual storyline? I've never heard him talk on the mic. I will say I'm glad he took off the BLM armband. I feel like that really opened him up to the audience. In my eyes – Yeah, pigeonholes like, you. Yeah, you know, it's like, look, you want to be involved with the same people that burned down a shit ton of buildings a couple of years ago. Like, they're, did they look like the good guys to you? Like, And I know someone's going to comment, those weren't really, no, 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 okay? I never heard Black Lives Matter speak out against the people that were burning down the buildings. They just said, oh, they're not with us. They never trashed them, though, so. But I will say. I, I know what an activist now. wears. And yeah, activists exactly. don't not they don't not burn down buildings and wear riot gear, so. Exactly, so I give them that, but. Yeah, ultimately a very forgettable match. But uh, moving on, the second match of the night, which I was surprised how early it was, the Triple Tag Team Championship. John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Han- Hangman Adam Page versus the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. What would you think? Well, me and you have been saying for forever how much we hate the Dork Order and how we don't understand why their grand scheme to people together was, it's like this guy's going to be eventually our heavyweight champion and put him with the Dark Order. Because it doesn't bring the Dark Order up. It just brings your guy down. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm glad that they don't have as many people. And I will say this. If anybody from the Dark Order was going to be in a tag team match against the Elite, I'm glad it was these two guys. Because they're established tag team without being part of the Dark Order. So I don't really care about the competitors involved. But the Elite killed it, as they always do. No matter what match they've ever put on, you're going to watch the Young Bucks. You're going to watch Kenny Omega. But the most exciting thing to me was just how into the match the crowd was between the face-off for Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Like, every time they looked at each other in the face, they didn't do anything. The crowd was like, all right, fuck the rest of this match. That's all I want to see. And I was very surprised to see that. I was. It was good to see them, you know, because they never really – They that was it. Hangman Adam Page beat Kenny, and then Kenny went out, you know, to get healed up from his injury. So that was the first time they tied off in 10 months. So that was good to see. I, you know, like you just said, I mean, it's you cannot take the Dark Order seriously. I'm sorry. I know they have their fans. I love Brody Lee, okay? He was a great guy, great husband, great father. He helped father. it. He was the only Take, thing that helped <laughs> I'm taking nothing away from that man's legacy. Correct. But with that being said, I mean, it, the Dark Order, it just is what, the, what it is. I mean, they were – they never really – had a chance to shine with Brody because he passed, unfortunately. And it never, it just, it just been spinning the drain for months. I'm glad they cut, you know, and they still need to do some cuts. John Silver, fantastic personality. Okay. Very funny, very entertaining, has no business being on my TV. Okay. I'm just going to say it. I know he has his fans. I respect you. I love you too. Okay. You cannot see that man standing in the same ring as anyone at Punk, Hangman Adam Page, Kenny Omega. You see him uh, facing across from Wardlow. I mean, it's a joke, okay? Uh, well, they built him terribly if that's what they're going for anyway. So, hell no, at this point in your yeah, career, no. And every time I see him, I think about Braun Strowman destroying him on Raw when he was going through all those jobbers. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just... You know, and I, I don't get it, man. Every time he gets in the ring, I'm like, he looks like the odd man out. 
for what it was, I gave it a three out of five. It was a very bad. If you've seen a Young Bucks Kenny Omega match, you've seen this match before. They didn't really revolutionize anything there. I thought the end was very good. I was wondering how. Like I, I figured Kenny Omega. And yeah, the I love the end. Win. Really did love the end of it. How it how it ended? I thought you know kind of kind of came out of nowhere. So that you know I it got some marks for that, but for the most part, it was just a it was a typical Young Bucks match. It really didn't do anything. The wow, which is crazy to say, they're so good that that was a typical Young Bucks match. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and that's not taking anything away. I feel like I have to say that. I mean, it's you know, for me, a three out of five is a good match. You know, like it's not great, right. it's not bad. It's, so, and that seems you know, it's but at the same time, if you've seen a Young Bucks match, you've seen a Young. You know, that's there. It's all the classic hits at this point. I yeah. I really would like to see them and Kenny Omega kind of broaden their horizons and start with a different style, maybe do something a little differently, you know. But at this point, I, I think what we got is what we're going to get. So, like right. you said, I'm I am excited for Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega tying it up again. The crowd really popped, especially yep. the second time John Silver tagged in Hangman. The crowd was like, "All right, let's fucking go." Which was it? What got me is I was like, "Damn, they got into it twice." It's hardly ever do you see a face off get a pop, and then the second face off also get a pop. Yeah, and when Kenny Omega slapped him, that's even I was like, "Oh shit, here we go." <laughs> yeah, but. You know, three out of five, very basic. Um, you know, we'll see. I, the Dark Order is running on fumes at this point, especially, you know, if the rumors are true and they're pulling out more and more people. And, you know, I don't see it lasting very long. I'm, pretty soon I'm seeing John Silver and Alex Reynolds kind of going their own way. And kind of. I heard one of them came out of that match injured. The, they were noticed backstage on crutches. So I wonder how bad that's going to be. Uh, that would not surprise me. Our next match of the night Athena. Versus Jade Cardgill. If I may start off this review, it was nice to see Jade looking like she wrestles. Green as hell. <laughs> First thought that came to my head was, well, you know, it's fitting that she's dressed like She-Hulk because no one watches She-Hulk and no one wants to watch her wrestle. So here we are. Uh, once again, I know she has her fans. To her fans, I'll say, stop cucking. You know she's not that great. She's green as hell. She doesn't seem like she wants to improve. I'm not, I don't see where the end goal is with her. Her stable's lame. Nobody gives a shit about her stable mates. I mean, it was, at this point, they don't, she don't even have a manager anymore. So at least she had a mouthpiece. But the cut, the Which is the worst made, thing about <laughs> AEW is they do these stop things where they don't ever exactly. explain where did Stokely Hathaway go? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, it was just, uh, hey, I'm part of the baddies. I'm their manager. I'm trying to collect all these people. Hey, let me go after this guy that's always on AEW Dark for no reason. Oh, by the way, now I'm with MJF and these bunch of dudes from New York City. Okay. You're not with the baddies anymore? You're not going to explain that? Are the baddies part of the people with MJF? I don't know. Exactly. I'm very confused. And, and just as far as the match goes, I mean, if you've seen – if you've seen the Jade match, this was a Jade match, okay? Athena worked her ass off while Jade literally just stood there. At one point, Athena goes out the ring, drop kicks one of the baddies, hops back in the ring, and this whole time, Jade is standing there in this bent-over position. Here we on, go. Awaiting on Athena to <laughs> try to do a sunset flip, which ultimately they botched, and Athena landed right on her top of her head. And you're like, what, guys, what are we doing? What are we doing? Bro, there was a botch before that for a show that's called All Elite, which means to me, at least, is the oh, best yeah. of the best. 
you have these people called the baddies that is nothing but a group of people that aren't well established in the wrestling game to begin with. I know some of them have been in, in uh, TNA or Impact, whatever you want to call it, but let's call it what it is. They got Jade because of her look because they were probably afraid WWE would get her before they did. And now they're trying to figure out this entire time, how can we build something around her? And what they built around her was a bunch of people I would not call elite. Dude, the first kick out of the match was supposed to be they pulled Athena out of the ring. They badly botched that. They couldn't even time that. That's why Athena drop kicked her outside of the ring was because she was supposed to pull her off of Jade in the pin. And they fucked a simple move like that up? What are you doing? This is not the elite. This is, I don't know, WWE Entertainment. <laughs> and that's what they're trying to tell me that they're not. They're the elite, and this isn't the elite. And but, one thing... Steve Larson from the uh, Raw Raw show going in Raw going in Raw show pointed out the other day, and you know I typically I typically try to try to side with the promoters because you know while I've never promoted a wrestling show, I have promoted music shows, and I understand how difficult it is to get everyone in on the action and try to make sure everyone has enough time and make sure the crowd sees who they actually want to see. And, you know, I get it how complicated it is. In this instance, I actually agree with Steve when he, he mentioned it really seems like the women's division is just an afterthought for Tony. Like, he's doing it because he feels like he has to. And I know... Well, the one thing you can say, if that's the case, he's bringing in the only ones that it, we would want to see back in the Attitude Era. He ain't bringing in anybody that can wrestle their ass off. I'm not saying that they can't. I mean, Athena's a hell of a fucking wrestler. But let's face it, 90% of the people he's brought in are A, people you never heard of, and B, they look amazing. So if that's what he's going for, he's doing a good job, but he's fucking not hiding it well at all. I mean, if that's what he's going for, he's messing up completely because all he's doing is I opening, agree. He's opening up. He's giving everyone a written invitation to come trash him, and it's it's and nobody I, will. <laughs> I mean, well, we are. <laughs> I'll say it straight up. Like, hey, we just telling ridiculous. the truth. This is, <laughs> it is, know, it is. Everybody in the baddies looks amazing. Everybody in the baddies wrestles terrible. Well, it's hopefully. I don't, I don't know what the plan is for Jade. I don't. I don't see her going to WWE only because WWE is at least smart enough to realize look you've got to have some talent you can look great all you want but when the bell rings that famous phrase and then the bell rings when the bell it, rings yeah it's, she'd be great for nxt 2.0 right now though yeah as cartoony as that is yep but uh i gave this a two out of five very bland very basic it was it was a match i was surprised i really thought athena was gonna take the belt and i thought they were gonna give it to her it just she never really could get off the ground. I felt like every time they put her storyline, for whatever reason, the legs got cut underneath her. When she was in a tag team with um, the next up, we had Motor City with Jay Lethal versus FTR and Wardlow. This match, honestly, I, I, it was a waste for everyone in that room. It really felt as if <laughs> AW was like, everyone likes y'all. We got to get you all together and in the ring just so we can get you a paycheck. What'd you think? No, five minutes into the match, I was wishing I was watching the Motor City Machine Guns versus FTR and then watching Warlow versus Jay Lethal. Yes. While they had to throw them all together into one jumble, it was terrible. Not terrible. The match was decent. It was just it made you want, bro, I want to see FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns now. 
I don't care about this Indian dude that is a cartoon character at this time or Sanjay Dutt, who lost to an eight-year-old at the end of it. I just want to see this tag team match. This looks like it'd be amazing. Yeah, I don't I, – I do not see where they're going with Jay Lethal and his little entourage. The big guy uh, – he, He's a he, cartoon he, character at this moment. He's, he's like Jay Cargill. What are you – you're not elite. <laughs> He's Amos or Amos from WWE. Yeah, you know, it's like 100%. when they eventually, when they eventually stick him in the ring, you're gonna see chops, power, chops, and choke slams, and punches and kicks, punches and yeah. kicks, and mm-hmm. I, it's, it's big boot, chop, choke slam, go home. It's like wow, <laughs> the, old, the old Kevin Asher team, except for without any charisma at all. Yeah, that's just what we need in wrestling. Another big dude who doesn't really know how to wrestle, but he's big. And you think they would have learned? I mean, we've been doing this game for what 50, 60, 70 years now. Professional wrestling has been at the level it's been at since the 60s. The big guy, very exciting for about a month. And then you're like, all right, I get, I get it. I'm done. Well, it's and- so 80s and with the Hulk Hogan thing where he would just go in there and they'd find some big dude to put him against, or even The Undertaker in the 90s where they yes. would just put Giant Gonzalez in there against him. Who? And that's the way, like, Conan always says on his podcast, who? That's the way I feel about this Indian dude, which we're calling him Indian dude. What's his name? Exactly. I literally, (laughs) I kid you not, in my notes, I put giant guy, not important enough to remember name. Right. I did, too. I just put ex-TNA guys come out with big Indian dude for some reason. (laughs) And, I mean, that's not, it's, it's, that's just it. It's like, okay, we get it. He's there. He's not imposing. We know he's not going to do much. And to make matters worse. So, you know, to go over the match, just real quick, FTR and Warlow over as fuck. Every time they got in the ring, the crowd popped Especially up. Warlow. He got the oh, Goldberg yes. treatment. Why the hell? Warlow should be fighting MJF for the title right now, not with whatever the fuck this is. The only thing with FTR that annoys me is, God, every time Dax gets in the ring, they suck him off like he is the rock in 1998, I mean, he's the hardest puncher in there. He's the hardest suplex giver. He's just, oh, he's such an excellent worker. And I like <laughs> maybe, him. Maybe he's cool backstage or something. I guess, but I'm like, are they trying to make him a solo act? Because my man Cash has a better look, you know, like, but, and yeah, other than that, it's just very basic. I give it a three out of five. I mean, it's a match you've seen a dozen times. I really wish they would have, like you said, FTR versus Motor City, and then stick in Jay Lethal versus Wardlow. You know, or how good of a match would that be? Jay yeah. Lethal versus Wardlow. Jay Lethal is in his prime while he's not wrestling for the championship, even if it's going to be Wardlow's championship in his secondary. Why he's not wrestling for that championship in a high stakes match is stupid. It's one thing Eric Bischoff always talked about. Give me stakes. You give me stakes, and you give me a story. This had zero stakes in it. It didn't matter who won or who lost. They've been better off just having to do go in there, lay down, and take a one, two, three, and go and pin me, pay me. I mean, yeah. at least that'd have been a storyline. I love Warlow to death. I think his powerbomb symphony, no matter who he does it to, always looks fucking phenomenal. And it's weird that somebody who literally their finisher is just, I'm gonna keep powerbombing you, <laughs> could be so fucking over. But it is. But yeah, it's you know. So the match ends. Samoa Joe makes his great return with his funny ass looking shaved head. I don't. Bro, he looked terrible. I was like, I love him, and he looked terrible. I'm like, why did we continue bringing this man out? And there's nothing against Samoa Joe, but I'm like, 
dude, you're all you're doing is hurting your past mm-hmm. legacy. I get it. You were big in FTR 10, 15 years ago. I get it. You were big in TNA 10, 15 years ago. It is 2022, man, and you are looking rough. All right. Like, it's there's a reason why WWE kind of pushed him out. And it's because it's like, bro, it's, it's come on, man. When you look at somebody like Wardlow, that's what a heavyweight needs to look like in this modern age. All right. I'm well, sorry. he'd be cool if he was bringing dudes up and he was just there to make oh, guys yeah. over, but he's got a fucking championship around his waist. Yes. And I don't, and funny enough, going back to the big Indian guy, we can't remember his name. He stands there. Samojo whacks him one time beside the head with the belt or behind then the head. Then he sells with the, belt. the fuck out. He just falls out. I was like, oh, okay. So, so the big scary guy. Take that guy serious. The big scary guy that we're supposed to be like, oh, man, when they finally release the beast, it's going to be on one one clock upside the head. And he's, I'm like, well, that ain't, that ain't much of a much of a bodyguard is it you know so and what happened to samoa joe he was busted open like just in a 10 second segment uh, i didn't even notice that yeah he was bleeding like a motherfucker <laughs> and they were like oh samoa joe's busted up but look how tough he looks and i was like uh okay mm, all around though it's very average i don't i don't understand AEW's. They have this fetish with, like, let's get as many wrestling. And this was a stacked card. We're not even going over the pre-show, okay? I mean, there's over 15 matches. You know, it's – let's just get everybody out there, every single wrestler. We need them on the show. They they, they want to see them. And Do they, though? Do they? <laughs> Next match, Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ricky Starks. Uh, I thought this ended exactly like it should have. I'll give it that. Unfortunately, because you built up this story to be so, hey, I'm pissed the fuck off, and I'm more pissed off than you would ever imagine, and whenever we meet face-to-face, it's going to be on. And the best part of it was the fucking entrance. (laughs) I mean, Powerhouse Hives looked like a superstar. Oh, yeah. And Starks looked like a superstar in the entrances alone. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is a lot better than I thought the presentation would be. Because it's a basic story. But then the match ends in like four minutes with Hobbs beating the living fuck out of Stark. <laughs> and I, I I love the finish. The spine buster looked oh, yeah. fucking tremendous. And when it happened, I was like, fuck, that should have been the finish. And then it was. And then I was like, well, that could have been on Dynamite. Because where do you go from here? There is no way to build up Starks as a credible threat. And there's nope. no way to make Hobbs feel like I need to prove myself more against Stark. I'm right. But uh, I thought Hobbs looked incredible. I mean, he's a monster of a man. I would love to see him and Warlow tied off, just big meaty men smacking that meat. So, But uh, <laughs> you're right. If Starks does stick around, I, I don't see where we go from here. Uh, personally, I think Starks' push happened a little too prematurely. I think he needs about 15 pounds of size. And That's good, where I was going with it when you said that he's going to WWE. Yeah, he needs another good year or two just to get you know get the character work down because he does come off, and this is not necessarily a knock against him, but he does come off as the Rock Part Two. And Absolutely, you can't be the Rock, okay? And like, they're trying to organically make it feel like he's coming out as the Rock did when he broke apart from the Nation of Domination. Problem is, is that nobody saw that coming. That was literally organic. This is kind of like a synthetic more than an organic, where. It feels like y'all built him to break away the same way The Rock did because even y'all felt like he kind of had that superstar appeal. But made no bones about it. 
you can't synthetically make an organic situation happen like that just because of the way it was built and presented, no matter how bad the audience wants to see it. Yeah, I thought the breakup between the Taz team or whatever was a little too premature. It really never got its wheels. Once they put Taz on commentary, his little group kind of floundered, really didn't go anywhere. Once it was really revealed that Hook was Taz's son – then it became very apparent what the entire thing was about, that it really had nothing to do with Hobbs and Starks. It had everything to do with getting Hook over. And once that kind of came to the forefront, at least for me, it I was like, okay, I'm ready for this faction to break up. Um, yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes. I gave it a three out of five. Very basic match. Nothing special. Um, I thought it started great when it started hot. You know, He got in the ring, jumped on Hobbs, and and then the bell rang. Then the bell rang, and it slowed down, and it really showed the. It really exemplified how green the two of those guys are, in the context of a match. You know, when the match slows down, it's like, all right, let's remember our spots, and you know. So, but all around, a pretty solid match. I'm excited for Hobbs. We'll see what happens with Stark. Next up, easily the match of the night: the acclaimed versus Swerve in our glory. What'd you think? I think it's undeniable that the acclaimed are eventually going to get those championships, no matter how bad the, I don't know, the drama backstage might be. You can't deny those guys. And I will say this. Swerve has got me with his promo ability. Yes. Um, Whenever they were backstage and everybody was doing the whole Keith Lee, I'm better than you, and you guys aren't going to be able to beat me. And then the acclaim were you guys aren't on our level. The audience loves us. And then Swerve said, man, fuck this bullshit, pretty much. I ain't yeah. sitting there talking this bullshit. Y'all want to go one-on-one. You motherfuckers ain't done shit since y'all got here, but I don't even know why y'all were in the title match to begin with kind of thing. I was like, I like Swerve's ability to just cut the bullshit. But that you talk about organic? The acclaimed, man. That's just, it's already been me and you's favorite. We already love Max Caster. Anthony Bowens is perfect for comedic timing with uh, caster they get along very well you can tell it's a friendship there it's not just two dudes thrown together and you know AEW's always talked about that organic build and their own people homegrown talent that's your homegrown talent right there why you would let two dudes that are ex WWE guys come in the ring and win I know it may be too early because it would have felt like a transitional champion because the young bucks may not have wanted to lose to the acclaim but when you heard that audience, I don't see how Tony doesn't get on the headset and tell the referee, hey, switch the, the finish. Because of, make no bones about it. The wrong people won. I See, I disagree. I think if it was planned, if the if they I – I don't want to use the word heel term because it's not set in stone. But when they started, when Swerve and Our Glory started wrestling a more heel style, if that was planned, it was phenomenal planning – if that was off the cuff, if that was Swerve and Keith Lee saying, hey, obviously they want the claim. This to crowd's end, not with us tonight, yeah. Let's, let's give it to them. Then, I I mean, it's a chef kiss. I mean, that it, if that's what happened in the ring, because you could really tell that at one point they were like, okay, we need to start. They want us to be the bad guy. Let's be the bad guy. And, and I do believe that is what happened, because from the opening bell of the ladder match, it felt like those guys were just trying to figure out what to do and throw it together, and that's why it kind of looked clunky because you could tell the entire time they were trying to just figure it the fuck out in the ring. If that's how the whole show was, I could see Swerve being that confident in his abilities to be like, hey, guys, obviously the crowd's into you guys so much today. 
let's start building up that heat with us because just for tonight, we aren't the faces. Exactly. And I like it was good to see them you know, take advantage of that, do working over Bowen's knee, really wrestling heel style. It gave them a character, which, as we mentioned on our last show with Bianca Belair, and they're you know, dying. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're not, not giving really. Them. They, you know, give a black black athlete the belt, but they don't really give them anything else. Like, okay, go figure it out. And so they just walk up there and smile, and we're glad to be here. We want to win all the belts. Okay, what else you got? They immediately got a character when they started working a heel style. And all four of these guys do. (laughs) That's the difference. All four of these guys have their own character. Separately, they'd be just as good as they are together. Exactly. Um, Swerve's promo that they highlighted from Rampage earlier, I, that was amazing. I it mean, was. They really nailed it. Selling Bowens, like, man, you can't even stay healthy enough. Yeah, your and body's going against your you. body's failing your tag team. And he highlighted something that I've spoken about before. And Max Caster's rap a lot of times overshadows the match. I, I find yeah. myself telling my family, hush, 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 when I hear their music. And then once the right. match starts, I'll go to you the kitchen care. and grab a drink. Yeah, it's, I'm 100% so, behind that. I get it. When Swerve brought that to the forefront, like all you do is, you know, you make a funny rap. What else you got? I was, you know, I was like, oh wow, like he he really nailed it there. And that's something, and that's the reason why I would like. I'm I'm happy with the finish because I would like to see the acclaim kind of. They're not. They're not. Their heat's not going to go away. Max Caster's still phenomenal on the mic. They still have a good chemistry in the ring. I feel like they do need to build up a foundation of good matches. They just give them the belts. Because whenever they do give them the belts, regardless of the pay-per-view that it's at, it's going to pop off. I mean, the roof's going to Yeah, and one thing's for sure. You're building steam right now. So you can't take that away from them. I know WWE always likes to say that, oh, they got that momentum going for them. Well, this is it. So they could take the pin, and it's not going to hurt them. You're going to want to see it even more. It's just that I don't think the win and the pop would have ever been as big as it could have been then. But at the same time, you don't want to have the swerve in my glory not as big as a potential threat as they should be in the tag team division because they're good hey, together yes, they yes. are good and if they work more of a heel style and because you, when you think there's really not many heel tag teams in AEW, i mean you have the ass boys and okay but even well, they're they with mjf now yeah even they can't decide if they're heel they kind of went face for a little like a week and the very next week so there's really no heel so if they can be that heel tag team that's like hey we have a great pedigree we're great Bring it on. That's, I'm fine. They don't need to come out and just talk shit about everyone. They don't need to come out and trash the AEW locker room. If their character is, we're holier than thou art, come and get it, and then we're going to beat the dog shit out of you in the ring, that's perfect. I think, I mean, it really gives them some wheels that they that they need, to be honest. Right. Um, I gave match four out of five. It was a great match. Best best match of the card, to be honest. Um yeah, I mean, the, even the, the media scrum swerve when they said that I think the next people that are going to be able to face these guys, I wouldn't hate to see the swerve of my glory versus the acclaimed again. And they're like, what for what? And then they cut a promo with swerve, which was, again, great. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just got it down. I don't know if he's being himself or they're telling him back like that. But if it's I like it. I like it. Yeah. too. And it was good. Um, you know, just seeing Max F.U., to uh, Keith Lee, I mean, the crowd popped huge. I popped, and then seeing them work over Bowen's leg, and 
you know, it was a great match. And to finish, I they claimed to be just fine. Give them a couple of months. Let them really get a good, good, solid pedigree of matches behind them. Let them grow as more of a cohesive unit. And let the let the matches at least equal to the rap. You know? And I think they'll come out just fine on the other end. But uh, next match, the four-way women's title. Storm, J.B. Hader, Britt Baker, and Hikara Shira. Uh, well, Jamie was over. Well, let's just say it is what it is. Why the fuck was Jamie Hader in this match if it wasn't to do the split? And if that's what it was for, we saw it coming. Fucking lazy booking, bro. Yeah. You literally put her in the match so that they would split up, and then you didn't even use them splitting up as the end of the match. I don't... Give Jamie the win or have them cost each other the win, cost one of them the match. Not this whole, I broke up the pin and that's all I did. Fucking stupid. I hated it. I hate everything about this match. Britt Baker outshined everybody from the time that their fucking entrances happened. It was a long way to go just to do what they were were originally going to do anyway and put the belt on Tony. I felt this four-way was unneeded. It was the second match of the night where faction members were pitted against each other against each other yeah and it, it, it drives crazy. me insane because there's there's something it's it's, it's unnecessary drama all right if yeah. you're in a faction and you kick me in the head and then both of us lose the match we go backstage in aw land ww wwe land they're supposed to be like hey it's all good, man. I know you were just trying to win. And that's not how it works in real life. If you kick me in my head just to get a title, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's all good, bro. I would have done the same. No, I'd been like, hey, fuckhead, you kicked me in the head. We're not cool. Well, if I'm planning on kicking you in the fucking head, you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to tell the world that I want the title just as much as you do. I'm going to tell people in the promo, I'm helping my buddy out. If anything, I think he deserves it, and I'm going to go out there and prove to the world that together nobody can stop us. And then I'm going to kick in your fucking head. <laughs> and it's, it's just it comes, it, lazy booking, unnecessary drama. It comes out of nowhere. I know they've mentioned in past episodes where their chemistry, they just can't seem to get a win as a tag team. But just because we lose together doesn't mean that at the first drop of a hat, I'm going to kick you in the back of your freaking head. And the idea that, you know, uh, of course, obviously, this is going to lead to a split. But even then, then what? Then what? Brett Baker, uh, she's fine. But Jamie, if Jamie loses the feud, she's just going to go off into no man's land. And if she wins, what? what's, what's I feel like she's, she's best as the heavy. She's best as the most. Correct. Britt Baker needs somebody on her side to cause distractions and to take people like Nyla Rose out, which why she wasn't in this fucking match, I don't understand. And she needs somebody in case Jay Cargill ever builds her way up to be able to say, hey, we can take her out because there's strength in numbers. But instead, they're like, oh, I know what we need to do. We need to break this team, <laughs> this team up. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. And Britt Baker just... She's so good at what she does over the top of everybody in the women's division that it outshines everybody because you see that there's nobody with the dedicated character that sets them apart from everybody else. I mean, even her finisher, she puts a glove on to put her hand in your mouth because she's a dentist. I mean, that's a well-established character with the entrance, the gimmick, 
the clothes, the finisher, everything. You can't say that about anybody else in the women's division right now. No. But as far as the match itself, three out of five, very basic, nothing too crazy. Yeah, there's a I get that motherfucker two out of five. <laughs> there's a convoluted <laughs> submission spot that it was just fan service, and Tony sat there with Jamie's arm, you know, in an arm bar thing, and looked as Britt Baker came into the ring and kicked her right in the face, and she stared right at her and let it happen. And it just, it just takes it's stuff like that, spots like that, just take me out of it. Like, oh, that's how you would react in real life. I'm gonna hold on to this whatever submission move as you climb in the ring and kick me in the head. At, but. Uh, the, the crowd was clearly behind Jamie. I feel like the right move would have let Jamie win. At least then you'll have some drama. I hate the interim title thing. It didn't work with Moxley. It's not going to work with this. No one really cares about Thunder Rosa being champion. Do you really care about the eventual match? And if rumors are true, then Thunder didn't want to do the job for Tony. What does this accomplish? Because eventually they're gonna have to have a unifying match anyway. So right, they did terrible by saying, "Oh, we're just gonna have this be the secondary championship until the actual champion turns up." And what? Why didn't this just okay? The champion's injured; she can't compete. This is for the title. Easy fix. But no, we have to do like we did for the guys and say, "Oh, well, the champion's injured, so this is for the interim title, not the real one." What happens if she gets fired, Tony? Exactly. <laughs> what if she just quits? Yeah, I'm not in the wrong. <laughs> uh, anyway, moving forward. Next match, Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage. Before the match even starts, the big show of AEW, Luchasaurus, <laughs> turns again. What do you know? Power for no Jungle reason. Boy. Yeah, power bombs Jungle Boy. <laughs> for a Boy. swerve, for the sake of a swerve. Power bombs Jungle Boy off the... Jokes landing. Yeah, he chokes landing off the entrance, picks him up, beats his ass all the way to the ring, throws him in the ring, power bombs him again, or choke slams, and then Aubrey Edwards, as if any, if as if we needed more ammunition to not like this woman as a <laughs> as a official, allows the match to happen, and my son who watched it with me, even he who was an eleven year old boy, was like. How, why? Why? I thought, isn't that interference? And I'm looking at him like, yes, son. No, you. your eyes are not deceiving you. What we have is an well, official. The bell didn't ring yet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What we have is an official who, in theory, their job is to protect the athlete when they cannot protect themselves. <laughs> what we have is an official saying, no, are you sure? Are you okay? And then. You know what's terrible is that. In real life, when Matt Hardy busted his head on the concrete floor <laughs> exactly. in the Sammy Guevara match, guess who the referee was that was saying, are you sure you can keep going? So it makes it really look terrible when even in fake reality, they're like, hey, can you keep going? Like, that dude has got his ass whipped. What do you mean can he keep going? Yeah, so unnecessary. Um, I'm assuming Christian Cage is more injured than we originally thought. I believe so, too. I agree. But I, mean, I don't know where this is going to go. Jungle Boy... Uh, he really needs a W. He really, he needs. He really a needs a fucking name change. Call that motherfucker Jack <laughs> Perry. Take that lucha shit away from him. Let him be Jack Perry. He cut the most realistic era of wrestling we've seen recently, where people are trying to be real now. He cut the best promo realistically I've seen in a long time. Him and Christians 
promos together going against each other were phenomenal for the match that last four seconds. But he uh, did kick out of Edge's spear. So. Oh, there's that. <laughs> there's that. He had a hopeful spot. All right. Moving forward, Chris Jericho versus Daniel uh, – Brian Danielson, I'm sorry. Uh, right off the bat, some skinny white dude named Elliot Taylor comes out singing, and my only thought was, when the hell what the did fuck they, is it? When the hell did they get uh, Machine Gun Kelly in AEW? Like, <laughs> that was my first thought. Until they showed his name in the lower half, I I was like, is this MJK? Is this the this the guy everyone talks about? No idea. Okay, you know it. It was the match was too deep in the card for them to try to have a Matt Classic. You could you could tell they wanted to do a actual wrestling air quotes wrestling match and it was just boring i think chris jericho is becoming the greatest hits act at this point and he's just going through the motions i don't understand who was this match for bro right what now. was up with that entrance i love chris jericho's theme of going with the whole lionheart chris jericho with the old video of him in a match back when he was called lionheart and his gear was trying to be like it used to be what was the fucking entrance music Sounded like uh, what's Rob Zombie. Zombie. <laughs> yeah, but was it? And what was the fucking point? Because did he use to use that music back when he's in Japan or something? Like fucking weird. I don't know. I this match did nothing for me. It's I. It was a waste for both of them. Chris Jericho is at the point in his career where it's all he's doing is hurting himself. Every time he does his moonsault, he botches it. All right, there yeah. was a time. I mean, he did that, I mean, for 20 years without a mess up. And over the past couple of years, every single time he doesn't rotate enough and he lands on top of his head. He did it again in this match. I I hate to see Chris Jericho become a greatest hits act. I love Chris Jericho. You love Chris Jericho. You know, we were there for the Lionheart era. We were there for, you know, when he made his interest in the WWE. We were there for when he became, you know, the list, all the greatest hits. We were there for Lionheart in WCW. That was where we got debuted to him. And just seeing that, just seeing what he's becoming, and I know that this is all leading up to him versus Daniel Garcia. Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? Yeah, I agree 100%. I'm sorry. I get that he paid for this dude's hospital bills when it was a big thing on Twitter. I get that that's why he's got some kind of connection with this guy. You know what I don't get? Why the fuck that matters in the ring? Daniel Garcia fans, put down your pitchforks, all right? It is what it is, okay? This dude looks like he weighs 140 pounds. He looks like a generic creative wrestler. And he's not – if he could talk, maybe it would do something for his – You can't even nothing. do that? There's nothing. And why are we wasting two greats, one of which is already – you know, it's Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. Can't decide whether or not he's coming or going, it seems. And Chris Jericho is more than happy just reliving his glory days. Why are we going to wait? We're going to waste these two gentlemen for Daniel Garcia. All right. We already established Daniel Garcia versus uh, Brian Davidson did zero ratings. All right. He lost ratings. 200,000 ratings. Bro, his nemesis Fewer. is generic wrestler Willer Yuta. Exactly. That, <laughs> I mean, yeah. You even see it if you're running the promotion that you're like, well, this guy's just like this guy. But then you're going to call it out and be like, these two guys need to fight each other. What? Yes. <laughs> like, go on WWE 2022 and download your first generic wrestler that's not an actual person. 
that's what you just did. And you put them against each other. Exactly. Uh, in closing, three out of five. This is a dynamite rampage match. If you missed it, you missed absolutely nothing. Um, moving forward, yet another three-man tag with House of Black versus Sting, Darby Allen, and Miro. What'd you think? Well, I think the the vignette before the match even started was fucking phenomenal. It was beautifully done for you know the vignette of House of Black. But I do believe that Miro is just fucking randomly thrown in this match just so they could have a third guy. Um, I don't think we'll ever get over the fact that Black got choked out by a girl on Go Big Show. <laughs> and I don't think we're over that yet. So putting him in matches that don't really do anything for him is stupid. I think Julia needs to go by Julia Blackheart by now because it's fucking stupid that she hasn't. <laughs> uh, sick entrances. Miro entered first and came running straight at him, like, bring it on, motherfucker, which was pretty cool, but also kind of buries the established three killers that are just trying to stand there, took the shine off of them. And then Darby and Sting enter together, which shows that Miro's not on the team, and Darby had on a Salvation Army jacket, it looked like. Uh, I really didn't see much in the match that I really could say was shitty or anything. I did like the fact that Sting missed Black. But again, I also feel like the wrong team won here. Yeah, my thoughts. Uh, Brody King is a star in the making. I I don't know why, but I am all in for this dude. I feel like he's oh, another. I love him too. He's uh, another, he looks like a killer. He works like a killer. He's another big monster in a company that ne- needs big monsters. I'm very excited to see where his future lies. Uh, Buddy Lee should be on the same level as Kenny Omega. I'm sorry. He is fast, agile, looks fucking great, wrestles a very fast, strong style. Him versus Kenny Omega, money. Him versus Pac, money. He should be wrestling those guys, okay? Really, why he's stuck in a faction, being the guy who eats pins, is beyond me. But it, it, there's not, you don't need it. Like, let him be a star. I really, I mean, I can't deny that the guy's going to be a huge, famous guy one day. It's three dudes in a faction that definitely, by themselves, like we said, would be over just as much as they are as a team. If they were separated, they'd still be over. I just can't get over one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, Aleister Black or Malachi Black or whatever Black you want to call him, getting choked out by Go Big Show. And it's, I don't know. Exactly. I hate to see him, I hate to, <laughs> hate to see him taking pins. And knowing that that was the biggest thing he's done in the company. I mean, his entrance is sick as fuck, but I did like Darby's pin, though. And now he calls it the Last Supper, apparently. That's pretty cool. I hate it. I don't get if it's supposed to be a submission move and why it works. And if I don't notice, either. That's, I think maybe that's why I'm intrigued, because I don't fucking get it. And if you noticed, when they showed the pin on the replay, they showed it from a different angle because on the original angle, you can clearly He's see a rope. his shoulders are up. So, <laughs> oh, are they? <laughs> yes. So it uh, reminded me of the dragon tail pin that uh, old dragon guy from Lucha Underground used to do, where it was just a crazy different way to roll somebody up. I liked it. It's different, and I'm all for different. Yeah. Just of course, by now, I don't understand why everybody in this fucking faction other than Miro isn't just in one big faction because they're all heading toward the <laughs> – what was Undertaker's group called? The something of darkness? Uh, <laughs> like the, of the, darkness. 
Yeah, this, this is just going to be the House of Black. Why don't you just put Sting in there, put Darby in there, and just call it what it is? It's Right now, it looks like a bunch of spooky boys just trying to be the spookiest of the spooky boys. Like, we're more spookier than you are. and it's just Right, so this moment of group, let them be spooky. They need to get Darby away from Sting. It was cute in the beginning. Sting is old as hell. I'm sorry. I love Sting. Like, we've been watching Sting our whole lives. The fact of the matter is that dude is in his 60s, and one of these days he's going to do something that he can't get up from, and that's on AEW's shoulders. And then then there's going to be no excuse for it. Yeah, right now there's an excuse because he hadn't gotten hurt to say, well, let that dude do whatever he wants to do. He's a professional, and he can do whatever he wants. But like you said, there's going to be a time where he's going to get injured. And unfortunately, like they say in fighting, you have to tell your fighter when it's time to stop because his voice of reason isn't there. That's why we have referees to say, all right, the fight's over because that motherfucker will keep fighting. Sting's almost to that level. Like, no, somebody needs to step in and tell him, hey, bro, you need to stop. I Not stop Sting- fighting altogether, but stop doing the shit you're doing. I think Sting has been at that level. I mean, at a certain point, it's – I, I get it. He's his own man, and I understand the, hey, he can make his own shots, his own calls, but it is the job of the owners of the company to step in and say, look, dude, you know, it is what it is. We don't want to see you hurt. We don't want to see you die, okay? Right, like, right. I respect him. Back. I respect him for not just wanting to take a paycheck and not being that guy who's coming there and living off of his legacy, which I think is what he's afraid of, is that people are going to think, well, this guy's just here living off his fucking legacy. He ain't actually trying. It's kind of like the same thing when Chris Jericho went through the thumbtacks, and people said, why? He didn't have to. And he was like, that's why I wanted to do it, because I didn't have to do it. Well, we get it. Stop. (laughs) We appreciate you did it. We thank you for doing it. But I also don't want Mick Foley to climb on top of a hell in a cell and jump off that motherfucker either. We get it. You've done enough. We appreciate it. Next. And more importantly, I don't understand who this was designed to get over. I mean, Darby is Darby. He looks good. He does his thing. But the House of Black is dead, right? They have to be dead now. Like, there's no way they come back Wednesday and try to challenge Darby and them again, right? I'd imagine so. (laughs) I don't mean, I hate to say anything with House of Black is dead, but. I just, they're dead. Reports are that he's wanting to take a sabbatical from wrestling, so. Well, fucking good, because if he goes to WWE and gets that entrance back the way that they had it when he was in NXT without the creak sound that makes it sound like he's coming out of a wooden coffin, just give him his old thing back and Triple H is in charge, Alistair Black going to take on Roman, bro. And last but not least, Moxley versus Punk, your main event. Sam Punk enters, obviously, huge crowd. They're all behind Punk. What I was very surprised about I, I think they were trying to go for the Money in the Bank, CM Punk versus uh, John Cena, and where the crowd was so hot behind Punk, and, yeah, I mean, they hated John Cena. I was very surprised at Moxley's reaction. I mean, they were singing his song. They were chanting his name. I mean, you could tell that it was – at one point in this match, it was split between the crowd, and I do not think that was the plan. Yeah, I agree. I think they were very surprised. I was very surprised by how big of a yes. split it was. Me too. I mean, I, initially I was like, oh, they're going to bury him. And as soon as this music hit, and I'm like, wait a minute, they're chanting it. And then, you know, they're showing him walk through the crowd. And there was a couple of middle fingers. But for the most part, people were rocking out to his entrance. They were singing it. And I was very like, oh, this isn't this isn't going to be what they thought it was going to be. And then as the match progressed, at one point it was 90 percent, 10 percent. 
you know, let's go Moxley, let's go Punk. But halfway through the match, I mean, it was split right down the middle. As far as the match Bro, at sometimes I felt like the audience members were saying both. Like one person was saying, let's go Mox, let's go Punk. Like the same person was oh, saying yeah. both things. Oh, yeah, and that's, that's, that's all elite to a T. You're going to have that. As far as the match itself, you got three and a half stars for me. Uh, it, it was a typical match. It was better than I thought it was going to be, and it was miles better than Adam Page versus CM Punk, which really shows that when you have two guys who wrestled in a system, who've wrestled you know, on, in independence for a long time, they know how to put together a match. I did think it was funny. If they meant to do this, then touche. If not, then it was it's funny. Uh CM Punk had called out Moxley previously for bleeding in every one of his matches, and yet he's and the, then one the first ten seconds of the match he did. I thought he's the same the thing. As soon as it happened, I said, Oh, I guess we know why CM Punk's wearing all white tonight. Yes, yes. But um yes, yeah, for the matches itself, it was, you know, it it was a little bit better than a dynamite match. I mean, that's really the story of this entire card. It was bloated. Yeah. It was long. These a lot of these matches went well over 10, 15 minutes. It was too long. It felt like a WrestleMania. And I went to WrestleMania live and I've left before WrestleMania was over after paying for the full card because you just wrestled out by the time it's ended. Reports they're two days now, so <laughs> it's a little bit different than it used to be. Come on now. And the reports are that the crowd really died after the acclaim lost. Not sure if that's to be believed or not, but I believe it. I did it when I was watching it live. I felt like my bubble bursted too. A lot of people on Twitter were saying that, you know, as soon as the acclaim lost, that the crowd was really deflated. I didn't really feel that. I mean, I felt the Moxley, let's go Moxley, let's go Pong Chance, especially in the middle, kind of hit their stride. Yeah, they uh, definitely were big. The false finish when Moxley hit Punk with his finisher. That the first ten seconds of the match, dude, that's the closest to a yeah. three count you can get. I was very astonished by how well that was done. But um, yeah, all in all, you know that obviously it, it Punk winning hurt the match because uh, it made it more obvious when Moxley won in Ohio a couple of weeks ago. We yes. all called it. We all knew, yes. oh, Punk's going to win in Chicago. And then Punk went and won in Chicago. And everyone's like, oh, well, well of course he won. I have issues with this match that leads up to that. The one issue I have with it is the leading in and build up to this match, I don't care what the fuck you fans say, was fucking terrible. Go back and watch that CM Punk promo where what the fuck is an ace steal? Can somebody tell me what the fucking ace still is? Where he comes out and the only thing he can do is slap the shit out of him and give him a pep talk. That's the build for the match. But because they're in Chicago, oh, fuck, this audience is into it now. So this is the greatest promo I've ever seen in my fucking life. Get over yourself. No, it wasn't. That was fucking terrible. And then before this match even starts, there's a promo backstage where he still looks like a fucking retard and is staring at the camera while CM Punk's walking his fucking dog. That was part of the buildup for this match I'm supposed to be looking forward to. So then we get to the match itself. And before it ends, CM Punk has to hit two GTSs. But he was getting his ass whipped and rolled out of a choker hold, and when he rolled out of it, for some reason, that knocked Moxley out on his feet. That didn't make any sense to me. Like, he didn't kick him. He didn't knee him in the face after the rollout. Nothing. He just picked him straight up, dropped him, picked him up again, and dropped him. I do like the way that the first, second one was set up from the first one, but why the fuck was he laid out on his feet whenever all you did was roll out of a sleeper hold? 
That didn't make any fucking sense. I did not like that at all. And it hurt the that part kind of hurt the finish, but at the end of the day, I, the finish was so obvious that when the three count happened, I was it was like a foregone conclusion. And it's hard to get into a wrestling match when you know who's going to win it. It's especially hard when the story leading up to it was so obviously set up for this big triumphant. And I'll just go ahead and tell the audience right now, I'm not a CM Punk fan. I never thought he was that great to begin with. Going back to his WWE run, I, I see what people saw in him. I get that much. Yes, he's great on the mic. Yes, he was ahead of his time in a sense as far as bringing a thousand percent. That's, that's what I think he gets respect for is because of how far ahead of his time he was. Bringing indie, indie wrestling into the forefront, I will give him that. I've yet to see a single match of his where I've walked away thinking, holy hell, that was that was the best damn match I've ever seen. And when you see the setup for this match, I can totally believe he was backstage and was like, oh, how about you win now so I can win in Chicago and get the big heroes pop. And I it totally, knowing everything we've seen from him and what others have said about him, it totally makes sense that, oh, of course he'd want to win in Chicago. Of course he'd want that big hometown. Yay, punk. When the reality is the story made little to no sense, and the the buildup to the match was as about as lackluster as you can get. Moxley, I don't think it's enough credit for how he was able to hold the champion as an interim champion for the past couple of months. And I think this is some of the best work from Moxley we've seen his entire career leading up. Yeah, to this is on levels, and people can say what they want to. I didn't grow up in the fucking time of Ric Flair being on top of the world. I just appreciate him for what he do- he did or has done. Moxley's on that level to me when he's bringing the AEW championship to every other indie promotion he's wrestled with. Like, GCW is like his big thing. He likes to go back and revisit the hardcore scene. But it, it's cool to see that, that somebody gives a fuck enough to where they're not going to say, well, no, I'm an AEW. Why the fuck would I go back to GCW? <laughs> For him to be like, I'm bringing the title to GCW, and I'm bringing it to, if New Japan was calling, to New Japan, and I'm going to put on shows just to be a good wrestler and yeah. give you what you want. I, I appreciate him the fuck out of it for doing that, and I think you're right. He don't get enough, enough appreciation for what he has done. But yeah. I will say this, too. To me, I wasn't a fan of CM Punk coming up whenever he first got in WWE. My first opinion of him was, who the fuck is CM Punk? And then he got into ECW with WWE, and I didn't watch it because I was a huge original ECW fan. So when I saw WWE's version of ECW, thinking, no, I'm not watching this bullshit. Then I stopped watching wrestling altogether for about five years, from about 2002 to about 2005, 2006. Whenever it was, CM Punk cut that promo about the pipe bomb. He was right on everything he said. And then for him to be able to hold the championship after saying that was pretty cool. And it brought me into watching wrestling. But when he left... As much as we were all like, hey, y'all need to bring CM Punk back. CM Punk got screwed. And he did. I remember him when he did the pod, the podcast with Colt Cabana. We were all like, oh, I can't believe WWE fucked this guy over like that. But as you grow older and you grow up and you learn more and more, you start to figure out he's the problem. He's the issue. He didn't get kicked out of wrestling. He didn't not get his way and would have been better off if he did. He fucking left us. He left us. So if he's going to leave us behind for years, 
and then return, and the bullshit he's going to pull now is I should be on top. I should win in my hometown. I should be champion. And all you younger guys that are on your way up, I'm going to hold you down. How's that any different than what he went through in WWE? Exactly right. And I think more and more people are starting to wake up to maybe Punk is the problem. Maybe you started small. You started seeing one or two comments on a Jim Cornette video. Because, you know, Jim Cornette will blow the hell out of CM Punk. You started seeing more and more comments creep up in Cultaholics, you know, videos. And more and more people are being vocal. Maybe CM Punk is the baddie. You know, well, I'll not. say this too. I think he does a lot of work shoot stuff. MJF was a work shoot. Nobody's gonna tell me it wasn't. You don't believe it was either. But for them to have this much shoot going into everything, oh, is it a work? Is it a shoot? Then it's all a fucking work. And I believe him being the problem is part of his character now because he knows so many people like me and you are out there believe it's true. So I think he's trying to do this work shoot stuff. But make no bones about it, he's still a drama king. He still has got some shitty tendencies he needs to work out. That leads us to the AEW Media Scrum, the media event they hold after each of their pay-per-views. For those who missed it, CM Punk sat in the Media Scrum and proceeded to dog out just about every top AEW star in the company. He referenced Colt Cabana by name, uh, Steven, or Steve, uh, last name escapes me, uh, made made light of the guy having sharing a bank account with his mother made light of how he paid his bills, how Cole Cabana made the majority of his money off CM Punk quote, quote unquote says, you know, only two people have ever made money off CM Punk. One being Vince McMahon and the other being Cole Cabana. Um, just really dogged the man out, proceeded to call the VPs stupid, arrogant assholes, uh, called them children. At one point, he says, I'm tired, I'm hurt, and I work with children. And he really just got the feeling that this is a bitter man. This is a guy that really just, you know, what are, what are you doing? Tony Khan sat there and just stared at him the whole time. And it really, if this is a work, then it is the absolute worst of wrestling. Tony Khan looked like a dork who has zero control over his company. CM Punk came across as an arrogant asshole who, while I understand at one point he's defending himself, and I will go on record and say, hey, we've all have those friends of ours who, from whatever reason, we zigged, they zagged, our life paths went opposite ways, and yet we're still asked about them. And we have to explain, we feel like we have to explain ourselves all the time. just why, oh, you're not friends with so-and-so anymore? No, we're not friends. You know, it's not a big deal. So I understand he's been asked this for almost a decade now. Why yeah, it's hard to believe how happened? long it's been. Yeah. So I get that. And I understand completely him lashing out like, look, I'm, I am tired of having to explain myself. This is none of your business. And he was right. At the end of the day, he doesn't sign the checks. Tony Khan does. So if everyone's angry with uh, Colt Cabana supposedly being, you know, stuck in ROH now, whatever that means, it's not like they have their own shows or their own pay-per-view. Well, I guess they do have their own pay-per-views. But, you know, regardless, he's not the one making that decision. All right. At the the end of the day, it's Tony Khan. And regardless of how you feel about CM Punk and Colt Cabana's previous relationship, he is the star. 
All right, Colt's not drawing money. So if CM Punk is playing the role of, hey, I'm glad to be here, that asshole's got to go. It's hard to look at Tony as anything other than a smart businessman by saying, hey, Colt, I'll still pay you. He didn't fire him. You know, that's one thing that's not discussed in this whole thing. He's still getting paid. He's still collecting a paycheck. You know, it could have been worse. He could have said, hey, man, you're gone. I got to cut you. So I say all that to say, at the end of the day, if it is fake, if it is a work, it is the worst of wrestling because everyone came off as a child, even Punk. As much as he wanted to talk about Kenny Omega being in the Young Bucks and Adam Page as an unprofessional child, I'm sorry, are you not doing the same exact thing Adam Page supposedly did? The only difference is when I heard Adam, everyone, when we heard Adam Page make do the promo, say he's saving the company from uh, CM Punk. No one walked away from that show thinking, oh, man, he must have shot. He shot on him. No one thought that. We no. thought it was part of the show. CM yeah. Punk brought that to light. CM Punk's the one who said, oh, no, that was a shoot. CM Punk is the one who sat in a promo or sat in a media scrum for half an hour and dogged everyone in, who made that company. And I don't care how you feel about Kenny Omega. I don't care how you feel about the Young Bucks. I genuinely, it, at the end of the day, that company was built off the backs of those three gentlemen. His name after. I will not stand for someone who just like Jim Cornette, love him or hate him. This man loves nothing more than to run down Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, but yet will gladly sit there and watch their product and make money off of it, doing his YouTube and his you know podcast. It's like no, those guys made that company. And he slapped the man because he wasn't scared of the boogeyman. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? I I know it's a long-winded, I I rambled a lot there, but it just pisses me off when I was watching it. The whole time I was thinking, this is more than likely a work. And if it is a work, it pisses me off even more because there's no need for it. There's other ways. And it may be both. You remember Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart went after each other in their promos, and then they got in fights backstage, and then they went after it in a match, in a wrestling match. So it it could be a little bit of both. It never felt like their their vitriol between each other really didn't come out until they had retired. That's when you start seeing the documentaries. Yeah, there was, you know, we all knew they kind of didn't get along, but it's business, and it's creative business at that, so you're going to have egos. You're going to have... You know, two guys who generally think a match should go that no one wants to lose. Okay, Ryback proved that. At the end of the day, hey, you get paid more money in real life if you win. So I especially don't want to lose in a fake fight now. But when you see CM Punk, who is a gentleman we witnessed twice get his ass beat in real life, act like a tough guy, I'm sorry. It's it's laughable. Um, I'm sorry, bro. I watched you get your ass beat. Okay, stop acting like you're a badass. You are a professional wrestler. I respect you as a professional wrestler. Yes, but you also came in, and I understand. I understand Tony Khan's sentiment. I understand, like, look, this dude is the we built, we made this first million dollar pay per view in AEW's history, short history, but yeah, history nonetheless. They built it off the back of CM Punk, and they're absolutely right. You know, Punk's right about that. He made he made mention of it, like, hey, I'm trying to make money, I'm trying to grow this company, and he's absolutely right. But at the same time, to go on a diatribe about some dude who wasn't even on the pay-per-view, never wrestles, you know, like, we get it. But to feel the need to run this man down, 
and run down everyone else involved, I, I, I just got a bad taste in my mouth. I really, I walked away from that thinking, I hope it's true because if that was a shoot, it's really going to piss me off. Well, tell us how you really feel. I know. I'm, I'm sorry for listeners <laughs> who just had to sit through that, but I've just been sitting on this for a day now and I went back and listened to the full unedited version and I the whole time he was talking I just felt the anger in myself growing and something we've mentioned before this company seems it seems the only way they can make a feud is manufacturing drama the only way they can make a feud is making a you know it's a shoot it's a shoot interview oh is he is he for real so when you see something like that your thoughts go oh well this is a shoot and then it pisses me off even more because it just it just shows what we already know, which is they can't build a feud unless both guys are like, hey, you're a mark in your ego. And the other guy's like, you're a mark for your ego. Ooh, ooh. And then we has fight, you know. So. Well, the only reason why I kind of feel like it is a work is because we've seen the people that really have heat get fired. Like exactly. Eva Lee got let go, and the skates my mind now with the blonde haired chick that was just hired when and when AEW first started, and then they come to find out that she was not well received backstage, so he fired her. But no, 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 not Thunder. It was the blonde haired chick that I can't remember her name. She's from like the UK somewhere. But um, so we've seen real drama take place and people get fired in AEW, unless. And if that's the case, this fuck still, whatever his name is, he's fired, if that's the case, if this is real. That's what makes me really believe these people just decided to write out a storyline off, off the back of how people perceive CM Punk in real life. How did you feel about at the end of it when MJF revealed himself as the Joker and that, he had Tony's voicemails? I, I really well played. Uh, the whole time, going off the uh, casino ladder match where i completely poo-pooed it i I took a step back and was like oh that oh oh." this is so crazy how the hell did we not know (laughs) that was him you know and i saw a bunch of people in the comment section they were like oh i can't oh that was obvious and i'm like well it was obvious to you because i had no fucking idea i was sitting there like this dude walks like somebody i've seen before but i just cannot place it and i'm going through every indie wrestler in my mind never once did it occur to me that you remember mjf left right (laughs) (laughs) the obvious and i i named i was thinking in my head i'm like who has left wwe lately you know the whole all i kept thinking about and then mj i was like of course it's MJF. Duh. Like, but, okay. And then, of course, this leads me back to what I said originally. Why was Stokely Hathaway the guy that did it? Why does he have all these guys from New York City as the guys that are with him? It's back to that Tony Khanism where nothing needs to be explained. You'll figure it the fuck out. And it's like, no, explain that. <laughs> Why did Stokely Hathaway go from being with the baddies to getting this random dude to, oh, I'm MJF's guy? Yeah, like you can eventually explain it, sure, but you kill the lead, you bury the lead when you do that. One thing, if you go back and watch, like the guys that came out with him were guys that he offered cards to. Like you saw Morrissey, you saw the Ass Boys, and I I think they're all from the same city too, if I'm not mistaken, or the same state. Yeah, somebody had mentioned that online that they're all from the same area. Yeah, that that you know ultimately I think kind of helped. Um, I mean, hey, I'm excited to see MJF wrestle. I mean, I, that if if you ever, if anyone ever wants to see what the 
physical definition of over is, look no further than MJF. Like, that is when you're over. Like, we speak about someone being over because, like, oh, the crowd popped for them, so they're over. No, no, no. Being over is not being on TV for months, coming back straight to the top of the car. That's when you yeah. know you're over. Like, and a sold-out arena being happy that you were there. Exactly. <laughs> Which, yeah, it, you know, it's it's one of those things. He's just too damn good to get hate, you know. And it was so funny how how quickly that crowd went from, you know, let's CM go pump, pump, let's go pump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as they revealed it was MJF, it was like, oh, fuck you, bro, MJF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, was like, yeah. Our new guys here. The new toy is back. Yeah, so – that was good to see. I'm excited. I mean, anytime I can just hear MJF do his thing, I'm happy for it. it, it it'll definitely make Wednesday night a must-watch programming, if nothing else. I'm excited about that. I'm but, ready to uh, see how they're going to doctor up the uh, Young Buck's eye to make it look like it's black. if Because uh, that's going to be the telltale sign of how much of this was a work and how much of it was a shoot. I mean, if he literally does the old Mick Foley way where he says, punch me in my face if people believe it's real when I go out there, I got a black eye. That's one thing. But if he goes out there and that thing's make-uped up to look like a WWE spectacular, then we're going to be <laughs> on the side of the fence more on a work than a shoot. And I – well, you'll have – listeners will be forced to listen to another 10-minute diatribe about how AEW <laughs> kids seem to create genuine feuds. So, But uh, with that being said, I gave I – mean, as, as far as the pay-per-view goes, three and a half stars. It was a very – considering this is AEW's version of WrestleMania, this is their biggest pay-per-view of the year. And when you think about last year's, when they had, you know, Brian Danielson made his appearance, Adam Cole made his appearance. I mean, leaving that pay-per-view last year, the only thing I was thinking was that may have been the greatest pay-per-view I've ever seen. And I know some people are going to scoff at that, but I mean, that's the whole, only the, when I left your house, because we actually watched it together, the whole drive home, I was trying to think, like, when, what's the last pay-per-view I watched where I walked away with that amount of satisfaction, where every match was great, the endings, you know, was phenomenal, seeing the guys come over and seeing the elite form back together and all the imaginary feuds and the fantasy booking that immediately goes through your head when you see that. When you compare last year's event to this, it's it's just night and day. I mean, it you just can't. You this is a step down. AEW really needs to start investing in getting bigger guys to the top, not just physically big, but someone. Daniel Bryan, Chris Jericho, CM Punk, John Moxley. These guys are at the end of their careers. All right, they don't have two, three, four, five years left in them. Okay, eventually. It may be when he's 70 years old, but eventually Jericho's going to step away. Eventually Moxley's going to step away. Eventually Daniel Bryan's going to say, and who are you going to be stuck with? CM Punk is liable to walk away the first time he doesn't get his way. First time you tell CM Punk no, he's liable to quit. It wouldn't so, be the first time he walked exactly. out while he had a contract on the table losing money. Yep. And, you know, it's, I mean, for better or for worse, he is not afraid to stick to his guns. When you think about the pillars that MJF mentioned last year, and he brought up Darby and Sammy Guevara and Jungle Boy and himself, when you, when we look at that realistically, the only real pillar there is MJF. I mean, it's, and not a knock against the other guys. They're great for what they do. But, I mean, it's just when you think back at the greats of wrestling, your Hulk Hogan, your Stone Cold, and Shawn Michaels even gets mentioned as a little guy. Shawn Michaels was still over six foot. 
he was still well yeah. over 200 pounds. He was still had size, you know. So and I think people forget that. But go back and watch 92, 93, 94 era Shawn Michaels. And, yeah, you can talk, oh, he was on steroids. Who gives a shit? He was big. Okay? Like, he still – he made – the match entertaining he made it look real you know in a way that if we're being honest someone like the ultimate warrior could never do as big as the ultimate that that's going the opposite way you know so when you see these guys and it, they jungle boy in the marine or christian cage christian cage is not a big guy but he towers over jungle boy and it, it, it's like what are we doing guys like what what's what's the plan they really need to spend some time looking at the roster and thinking we have got to start getting guys in here that can get over and sell tickets and also look like they belong in this ring. Cause until they can do that at a regular level, they're never going to be able to compete with WWE and WWE, especially under the leadership of triple H. And he'll start picking them off. Exactly. He'll just start taking all your good ones. You know, he's one thing people seem to forget triple H made his he made, he made his money. He's not afraid to be an asshole. Okay? You look back at the DX, and when they first started, he was not afraid to tell his elder statements to fuck off. He was not afraid. And he's a perfect businessman, even so much so now to where he says NXT was the developmental. Or back before when he was taking conference calls, he was saying NXT wasn't developmental. So which one was it? So he's just a perfect guy to take him in from AEW and say, well, we we poached them from a pretty big indie company. I mean, they're just giving the whole Cody Rhodes treatment. Don't nobody look at Cody Rhodes as he went from a company that was on the same scale. He didn't go from a company that was on the same scale to the same company that's parallel to him. They just say, oh, Cody Rhodes moved on up back to the WWE. And as a casual, you only see it as one company. You see it as Coke. You see it as Nike. You see it as Kleenex. You see it as Band-Aid. You're going to see it as... WWE. So exactly. Will Hobbs is in WWE. Warlow is in WWE. I mean, all you really will have is MJF um, and a bunch of and, little dudes. And if we're being honest, it's only a matter of time. MJF's in WWE. I mean, he's he's I, made I light of because it. I feel like he got so popular saying what he wants to say that he'll never be able to say in WWE. And you're right, but at the same time, WWE. Is especially if you look back at the Seth Rollins and uh, Matt Riddle promo, you know, they dropped the F-bomb. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, he won't be able to have free reign, but I don't think they'll, you know, they won't hamper him either, and especially if they're making money. And, and you know, they WWE, at the end of the day, the bottom line is the only factor that matters to them, you know? So, well, that being said, too, MJF will never be able to go as hard as he went on the mic with the Tony Khan thing ever right. again anyway. So it's not like they're not going to look at it and go, well, what's the hardest thing he's ever done on the mic? And then they go, well, remember when he said the F word to Tony Khan on live TV? And they're like, okay, what's the second thing he's ever done? And that'll be allowed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it'll be exciting to see what happens Wednesday. Um, yeah, I'm all for watching Wednesday, and I'm usually not. So. And you're right. It has been a long time since I said I definitely want to see what happens on Dynamite next week. So, but uh, that's the show. Thank you for everyone who listened. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Spot Show Wrestling Podcast, Facebook, Spot Show Wrestling Podcast. And if you want to ask us a question, go to Gmail, uh, Spot Show Podcast at gmail.com. You can ask us a question. But uh, 
I've been your host, Ryan Matthews, for Pat and Iron. Peace. Later.